Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello, Australia. Welcome to My Millennial Money. Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to the podcast, we are a community that is all about making better money decisions. We'll help you make the complex money things simple. And if you don't know me, I am not a blogger. I'm not a journalist. I haven't written newspaper columns, any of that stuff. I'm a retired financial advisor. And after about 12 years of helping hundreds of people face to face, I thought I'll take my encouragement and some skills to the masses. And that's why we've got My Millennial Money. So, you're in safe hands, I trust. If you're offended, which you probably will be, that's okay. If you send in your complaints, just make sure the grammar's right. And uh, I'll be sure to read them now. Today's episode, I'm joined by Catherine Hayes. G'day, Catherine. How are you? Good to be back on the show, Glenn. You have been on the show, I think, last year or the year Wait, before. Was, oh, I might have been, yeah, two years ago, yeah. back with Amber. Yeah, and I'll explain a little bit about Catherine shortly. Uh, now, if you want to get encouraged with your money... Uh, listen up. If you want to hit the 30-second fast forward, do that because I'm going to talk about the My Money Journal. We have recently launched the My Money Journal. It is a way to get thoughts out of your mind onto paper. It will help you articulate your goals. It will ask you thought-provoking questions about your life, your money, your career, all that stuff. We've had so many good reviews. It's blown my mind. The print quality is amazing. We made sure we got a premium product. It's printed and bound in Australia. Uh, you can get that delivered to you wherever you are for under $50. If you want a PDF version for your iPad, uh, you can also buy one of those online. There'll be a link in the show notes. John's actually away traveling around Australia, so you might not hear him as much on this podcast at the moment. Catherine Hayes, you're an advisor, mm-hmm. financial advisor here in Canberra. Uh, you've got a book called Make Money Your Bitch. Yep. Um uh, Interesting title, but we'll go with it. Uh, (laughs) You also run a money podcast called Money Madams. Yes. And you're going to answer some questions with me today. I'd love to. We'll put a link to the book sales in the show notes as well. Yeah, fantastic. So, let's get into it. All right. Here's one for you, Catherine. Mm -hmm. Sammy asks... What's the best way to set up your mortgage and pay it off quickly when you're buying a property for the first time in your late 40s? This is one of my favourite questions to answer. Uh, So, what I love to do when I get a mortgage or a refinance, the biggest mistake people make with their mortgage, as far as I'm concerned, is they go for the 30-year loan term because they don't ask the questions or they don't even know they can do something other than the 30-year loan term. So it can be a big commitment to set up a mortgage and to say, I'm going to have a 10, 15, 20-year loan term. Like that can really tie up your finances. And psychologically, paying off your mortgage that fast is kind of cool, but let's face it, it's really hard to get excited about something happening in 15 and 20 years. 
So what I like to do is I might structure a mortgage in a way that it, like, not as a mortgage broker, but when I do my own stuff and chat to others, I say, okay, well, maybe take 90% of your mortgage on a 25 or a 30-year loan term and then put 10% of it on a really short loan term, like five years. Or 15 if you, yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever, whatever you can manage. And it depends on the size of your loan. So 10%, you know, $50,000 loan, um, you know, might be easier to smash out in five years than say, you know, if you're borrowing 1.5 mil, that could be a lot bigger. So if you can do something like that, it becomes easier to remain motivated because it's like that whole um, snowball versus avalanche with paying off your debts. Mm. Psychologically, one works better, but mathematically the other one's the best choice. So if you can do something and you're going to stick to it. This is fascinating because, you know, in all of my time thinking about mortgage structures and all that, like, yes, I've known that we can split our mortgage. It's like we might have a third on fixed and the rest on Yeah, but you don't think about variable, repayment. But the repayment. Yeah, so, it's my favourite thing because when people, when their mortgage is getting down, they get really excited. They start giving up a few things and they start throwing everything at it because they can, they can taste the freedom of not having that mortgage anymore. So if you do the same thing when you structure your mortgage, and it might just be because you're able to throw everything at it for a season. Like let's say you want to have kids in a couple of years or whatever your situation is, if you can smash off a chunk at the end of that, you know, whatever term you've picked for that accelerated portion, let's say it's five years, at the end of that, you know, you suddenly got all that cash flow free. So if you've got a partner who suddenly wants to go on mat leave, you've just gotten rid of an expense and the rest of your mortgage continues. Or you might turn around and go, okay, now it's time to go get another good deal Mm. and let's refinance. So do that, go refinance. Number one rule, whatever term you had remaining, keep it. So people always usually put themselves, well, I so often see people put themselves in a worse situation because they constantly refinance their mortgage for that 30-year term. They could have started with a mortgage in their 20s and then now they're in their 40s and they're still refinancing for a Yeah, okay. So practically your loan term might say, oh, you've got 20 years left, Mm. 18 years, and then you're like, oh, I'm going to refi, get a better rate. If you go down the bank, they might just go, yeah, we can do it. And here it is. Oh, it's so much cheaper. Oh, you've, you've, But it's only cheaper because the, they've pushed out the term 10 yes, years than actually, what you were paying. If you looked at your loan lifespan across lenders and banks, you'll actually pay more interest on that loan than if you stuck with a not so good deal, but you never refinanced it and you just stuck to the 30-year loan term. And this is why people, I love to get different people on this podcast because- Everybody knows different things Mm. and I'm just all of a sudden excited about this personal finance thing because we often don't think of refinance terms with the mortgage Mm. in terms of the length. Yeah, so we just recently did an episode on this recently and we crunched the numbers and really had a look at – because everyone – interest rates are so low right now. So we look at how much is the savings that you really get from – getting a better deal with your finances and having a lower rate versus how much of the saving is attributed to because basically, you know, you've done it five years later, you've gone from a 25-year loan term, which you would have had left, resetting it to the 30 years. And most of the savings comes because you're just dragging out the length of the loan. So you're not actually saving money. So my key top piece of advice to people is when they are refinancing, whatever you have remaining on the loan term, keep it. Love that. Uh, we'll move to the next question, and thanks, Sammy, for sending that in. It's more of a question for you. Did your PR people say drop in that you've got a podcast as much as possible? <laughs> I am my PR people. <laughs> so, yeah, that little thought ran through yeah. my brain totally. <laughs> we'll just slip that in. Uh, what's Jennifer wanting to ask? 
So what she's saying, how do I split shared expenses with a partner and how to keep some financial independence at the same time? I am not qualified to talk about relationships and money. (laughs) Oh man, everything's relationship with the money, relationship with your partner, your partner's relationship with money. You know, there's many relationships in that relationship. (laughs) So um, so my favourite thing is, look, if you are in a long-term committed relationship and let's say you've, you've got kids or you are committed to a mortgage, like let's face it, most mortgages last longer than the average marriage. So if you are in that situation, I am a really big believer in having a joint household account where you might agree to put either a percentage of your pay or 100% of your pay, whatever happens. And from there, that's your central bucket. And from that account, each person gets allocated money that's argument-free territory. It is so important to have your own money and your own freedom. I mean, there's a few reasons for this. One is, you know, the the privacy reasons, not because I'm saying you're doing anything dodge, but hey, whatever floats your boat. But you might want to be doing some online shopping, buy your present a partner, and you don't want to see the transaction pop up to give away your surprise. But it's also the argument-free zone. So when I was married, financially, we got along really, really well. So you're happily married, now you're happily divorced. <laughs> is that how it is? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> no, but money was never something that was an issue for us in terms of being on the same page. But we basically had the rule, it came after realising that when we did have everything completely shared and all household budgets, we'd get critical over each other's spending because, you know, he thought I had um, enough plants. There's no such thing as enough plants for a garden. And I would look out and go, why are you upgrading the home theatre again? Like, seriously, that's some serious money. And it will make the sound, you know, 3% better. Like, it was a waste of money, in my opinion. So we just agreed and said, look, you get X money, I get X money. And the rule is we can't criticise each other's purchases. If you want to spend it or not, up to you. Best thing we ever did. Mm. What I'm picking up from that is you need to have a conversation Mm. and get a system that works for both of you. Correct. And do maintenance on it. Yeah, you've got to be on the same page with the household money. But when it comes to individual money, the only thing you need to really agree on is that it's an argument-free zone and how much that's to be for each of you. Yeah, it's it's wild. Like I've got friends that are married. Hey, fellas, how are you? And they will sometimes have to do cashies Mm. and hide the money and say, oh, I bought that fishing rod or whatever it is. I don't know. Oh, how much was that? When it was two hundred and fifty dollars, and they're like, "Oh, it was fifty dollars," because the well, partner do doesn't that with the clothes, yeah? yeah, exactly. Like because <laughs> the other side doesn't understand the real value. Mm. Um, but it's the fact that no, we just need to agree. You can buy a two hundred and fifty dollar fishing rod or mm. dress or handbag because we've both agreed that's your non questionable money. Yeah, exactly. It is argument free territory. That's so good. Victoria says, what's the best way to save for a holiday while dealing with rent slash everyday expenses? Okay. So, the the biggest thing I hate seeing these scenarios is people taking out holiday loans. Oh, gosh. Okay. So, if you... Okay. First things first. If you don't have the money, don't do it. Okay? But the Flight Centre billboard Mm. says 0% finance and it says I deserve it. Oh, man. Well, if you want to, it's like alcohol. You can enjoy it, but there's still a hangover to be had. So, Mm. your thoughts about it afterwards are a bit different. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I'm a big fan of if you're going to do it, have the money ready to go. I mean, you can still, I'm a big fan of like, I have to have the money. 
I will book my whole leg on a credit card so I get some protection and I get points and, you know, all that jazz, but I have to have the money first and I just pay it off. So if you really want to have a holiday, the two best ways of saving up for it is one, get an awesome deal. I love booking myself travel deals from the um, Black Friday sales. I've just picked up an amazing holiday for 2022 like 75% off. Awesome. Um, So get a good deal for start with. And then the next aspect is if it is important to you, we'll make it a priority. Save first, spend what's left. It's anything that you're saving up for. If it is really important to you, you've got to set aside the money. So you're paying, Catherine, because you're saying there's trade-offs. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know. You know what my worst answer is? It depends. Oh, gosh. (laughs) But no, if it's a priority, treat it like such. But if your budget is truly limited and you don't have much options, get creative. Um, oh, I'm going to give my, my favourite tip. Please. One of the things we usually cover each um, December. I also thought you were going to say each uh, episode on your podcast. Uh, well, I was like every like <laughs> upcoming holidays on the podcast. Um, one of my favourite holiday cheap ass tricks is to do house sitting. Because let's face it, when do people go away and travel most? It's the school holiday windows. Everyone likes to travel. And if they've got pets or they just don't want their left home empty, it's the peak window for people going, I need someone to come and stay at my house. So if you can be flexible with your dates, there are so many house, either house swap or just house sitting gigs. Just have to be a little bit flexible with the area that you want to, but you just pick a broad area and you can often go and stay at an amazing location for free. Mm. So if you want to travel on the cheap, one of the best ways to do it. I I like to analyse these questions and make up stuff out of nothing because it's fun because we don't know anything about the people and mm. all that yeah. stuff. And thank you for listening and writing in your questions because it's great entertainment. And actually, if you ever want to send an audio question, please record it on your phone and send it into questions at mymillennial.money or any questions, my, questions at mymillennial.money. Uh, if it's three paragraphs, that's not a question, uh, but keep them short like these these ones we have here. It screams to me that maybe in some instances we may have put the horse before the cart. No, the other way around, the cart before the horse. Yeah. I'm about to refilm the Glenn James Spanning plan mm-hmm. and one of the modules I'm going to add into that is where I talk about the money hierarchy mm. and how to establish your budget and I've kind of copied the Maslow's hierarchy of needs mm. and, you know, the base of that is basically food, shelter, basic things and if I'm struggling to live and I can't afford food or shelter, I'm not Googling uh, yoga retreat to achieve mindfulness, for example, like because it's just not. You got to live within your means. That's right. So, as part of this hierarchy, in some instances, we can believe a lie that luxuries are actually a baseline expense. Oh, perfect example. I had a mm. couple of clients that were doctors and they were earning some serious coin. And um, hello to all the medical professionals. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, three quarters of a mil combined annual income sort of thing each year. And they needed lenders mortgage insurance for a house that wasn't expensive because they had no ability to save. So most people go, what? How could you not save on that income? I mean, yes, you do pay a shitload of tax. Um, but they had some serious problems and it became because their attitude of things like I work really, really hard. So it's important to me that when I come home, that the house is full of fresh flowers every week. The bill on the flowers alone was in, you know, it's like over $10,000 a year. 
what they had. So there's things that they defined as necessities, which most of us wouldn't even consider. Um, So that whole living that either the Instagram lifestyle, the what you think you deserve versus what you think you need are very different And and that's a good example because – a lot of people think uh, when I talk about the money hierarchy, mm. it's just like, oh, we're we're factoring in, you know, we, we're struggling to make ends meet because, you know, we, we go on weekends away every week and we can't afford our rent with this money hierarchy thing. It works across all income ranges. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, um, it's wild. So, Victoria, I think you've got to make sure you're on a budget, make sure you've got a plan in place, prioritise and and get creative get creative and maybe it is i like to you know this whole side hustle thing mm. my view on side hustles and it's just my view um you would only want to be doing side hustles for three reasons okay and these three reasons I'm, i might forget them but the first one is you've got a short-term plan that you need extra cash for to pay off debt yep okay the second is i've got a short-term goal that I need cash for. So it could be this holiday or something. Mm-hmm. The third thing is I want to turn it into a full-time business. And I'm going to add a fourth. You're really passionate about something. It's not even about the money. Totally. I, I'm talking, yeah, yeah, I totally love that um, because it, it was, but that's kind of hobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess but, so. yeah. but I guess purely financial, I guess what I'm saying with this side hustle thing, mm. I don't want you to go out to do a side hustle and just put the money into your general revenue of life oh, because I think it's a waste of your time because you're just the lifestyle inflation and all that. So, yep. we have to be strategic with our side hustle that we're cleaning up debt, we're attacking a goal, or we want to transfer into that full time. Mm-hmm. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll answer another question. I'm going to pick up this book here, Make Bitch Your Money. <laughs> 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 Make Money Your Bitch. I'm going to open a chapter and we're going to have a quick look at it. Sure thing. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. All right, we're back. Uh, Make money your bitch. Uh, There's a link in the show notes. I'm just looking at the table of contents. It's 11 11 chapters. It's cute. First chapter, why getting a sugar daddy is good. (laughs) I need one of those. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's not a chapter. Uh, We're talking about get it together, get backed up, get super sorted, get secure, get more money, get rich, get your pad, get a good deal, get off the hook or out of debt, uh, get ahead, get a guru. Um, just give us a bit of a pitch about this book and what it's about. Yeah, so the title, Make Money Your Bitch, really at the end of the day, it's just saying that most people are a slave to their money. We want you to make money your bitch. Like you are the boss of your money. You're in control. It doesn't control you. That's what it's all about. So we- um, Predominantly focused at women? Yeah, it is focused at women. Like there's a big red shoe on the cover stuffed with like, it looks like money that like a stripper's picked up somewhere. Mm. We actually do have a one of the book talking about uh, having cash stuffed down your bra like you're a bit of a stripper. <laughs> I can't remember where that bit come from, yeah. but it's in there. And um, the editor we worked with, she was amazing. She really helped us find our voice. And she was reading through our stuff and she goes, you girls have got a really dark sense of humour. And she just really helped us put it out there. So if you want something that is easy to to read, practical, 
and has a dark sense of humour, yeah, you'll love it. Love that. Link in the show notes, guys. Get on it. Emily would like to ask this question. What steps should you do to get ahead whilst you're still on the minimal wage and studying? Okay. So, let's assume that somebody's studying maybe part-time or full-time. They're working at a casual job or maybe on a, a youth allowance type government um, thing or whatever. Uh, what advice would you have to Emily to get ahead? Okay. First things first, I don't care what your financial situation is. You've got to have a budget. Because if you don't know what's coming in and going out, it's really hard to make any kind of financial decisions. So get a really good budget in place and up and running. And that'll tell you what you've got to work with. So if you're trying to, once you've got that understanding to get ahead, um, you know, you've got your options like, you know, your side hustles and other aspects to earn a little bit of extra money, looking at cutting expenses. But one of the things that once you've got those things happening, one of my favorite things to do is to look at small increases, like small changes. So um, a lot of, sometimes I see people and they say, look, I would really like to start contributing extra to super, but I really don't have the spare cash flow right now. And I might say to them, like, what, you don't have 10 bucks a fortnight pre-tax? And they're going, oh, actually, I do have that. I'm like, fine, start with that. Um, because often sometimes just starting, especially something like that on your pay slip, you see it there and it reminds you every single time. So the next time you get a pay rise and things do improve, you go, oh, you know what, I might increase that. And of course, the undercurrent to all of this, just bear in mind, life comes and goes in seasons. You know, you and I were chatting um, before the show. I went through a stage where I was paying for three kids in childcare. It was $76,000 a year. After I got rebates, it brought it down to low 50000 Like that's a house deposit, right? And I was having to pay that just to rock up to work. So I was kind of at the time, I think I was only working to get my superannuation and the career advancement. Like I was not making money, but I knew it was a season. So it's the same thing with people going on parental leave and that kind of stuff. Bear in mind, you will go through seasons in your life and it's not forever. So sometimes you just have to do it tough for a bit and let's just call it character building. Yeah. (laughs) My unsolicited advice to Emily uh, would be, you know, how to get ahead you're only thinking financially. Mm. Forget the money and say this, you know, to use your, your word season, this season, the investment you are making is in yourself. Mm. And we don't know your age, Emily, uh, but you, you are studying whether you've gone back to school or you're just in your early 20s or whatever. I honestly think for anyone, I'm just going to say under 25, but this probably applies to any age. Mm. My five things, number one, don't get pregnant unplanned. Number two, don't get someone else pregnant unplanned. <laughs> you like yep. that one? Caught yep. both. Yep. Number three, keep off hard addictive drugs. Yep. Number four, keep out of prison. Mm-hmm. Okay. And number five, keep consumer debt free. Yeah, as I say, and adding that onto your pregnancy double whammy, avoid STDs, sexually transmitted debts. Yes. <laughs> So it's just these, like, so we are in these seasons and we just want to stop big financial show-stopping events. Mm. So there's nothing quite like an unplanned pregnancy to cause your plans to change. Mm -hmm. There's nothing quite like going to prison to cause your plans to change. There's nothing (laughs) quite like being addicted to crystal meth to cause your plans to change. So, Emily, hang in there. The best investment you can make right now is in yourself. Keep away from debt. 
my whole vision for this podcast is to encourage people in their early millennial age or whatever and now into Gen Z is to get into mid to late 20s consumer debt free. Mm. And boost your knowledge. Like, I mean, listening to this podcast is a great example because you're boosting your knowledge, your understanding, and that's part of that investing in yourself. So while you've got your, you know, whatever your career you're studying for or, you know, training for, boosting your financial knowledge, your financial literacy, everything that you do towards the end is going to help you make better, smarter choices. So true. And it's okay to, you know, have a few years where you're not, quote unquote, getting ahead on paper, Mm. as long as you're not going backwards. Yes. So there you have it. Awesome. Nice knowing you. Thanks for coming on. (laughs) Thanks for having me on the show. We'll see you soon. And everyone, thank you for your support. Who can you send this podcast episode to that you might find that he would add value to? That is the question. Forward it on. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Catherine. Uh, Money Madam's podcast, Make Money Your Biatch, the book, and we'll see you soon. Catch you later. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.